Welcome to the Ignite Church Podcast. Thanks for checking us out. We pray that this message will bring you hope and ignite your faith. Now lean in and enjoy the message. We are in this new series called Dangerous. And um, for a couple of weeks now, God has been ministering to me about something that I thought would be great to use in this series called Dangerous. And it goes back to the book of Daniel. How many of you have ever read the book of Daniel? Daniel is a mighty, mighty book in the Bible. And I encourage you, if you've never read the book of Daniel, it's a great book because it's visual, in my opinion. It's one of those books that you read and you think you're reading a novel, but in reality, it was true story, true history of what happened. It's a great book also to share with your kids. If you have kids, it's an awesome story to read to them so that they can start getting involved and loving the Word of God, the Bible. But if you you have your Bibles, just go to the book of Daniel for now, chapter 1. Just stay there. We won't go there just yet. But I want to give you a little bit of context or behind the scenes of what is happening. See, the book of Daniel was written around 530 B.C. And it's believed that it was written by Daniel himself. In, 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 to give you a little bit of background uh, uh, or behind the scenes, in 626 B.C., Nabopolassar became king of Babylon. And altered the course of ancient history. He altered the course of ancient history. He quickly overthrew the dominion of the long-standing rival of Assyria. And by the time of his death in 605 BC, he had eliminated the Assyrian Empire. Now, why is this important to understand? Well, it's important to understand because this course of event was significant implications for Judah. They were the last remnant from the people of God, the remnant of Israel. And they were mainly under the dominion of the Assyrian Empire. So when this king overthrew that empire, it says that when Nebuchadnezzar, which we always hear about that name, Nebuchadnezzar, right? Or It's like a long name. Who would name their child that? But Nebuchadnezzar took place of his kingdom and he extended his borders and had greater heights to his empire. And he deported many Jews to Babylon. Now, I'm not going to get into... Babylon so much today but if you read the book of Daniel you'll see that everything that we're living in today you could tie it back to the book of Daniel actually the end times the book of Revelation you it's it's it, it, it you need to read Daniel to be able to understand the book of Revelation or the book of Apocalypse because Daniel was given visions of what was yet to come and a lot of it that we're living in today's climate you could see it in the book of Daniel Babylon is known as the great Babylon later on in the book of Apocalypse. And, and, and like I said, I won't get into those details. But it's very good if you love the Bible or like to know more. It's a great book to read. Now Daniel lived in the midst of all these momentous events. And the book of Daniel is a testimony of what God can do and work out his purposes through his servants even in the courts of pagan rulers. If we, now we find ourselves in, in, in 605 B.C. or in Babylon where we pick up the story now. If you have your Bibles in Daniel chapter 1. And we're going to read a couple of verses. So I encourage you. It will come out on your screens. Also on, online you'll see it. But if you have your Bibles, it's a great opportunity for you to take notes. Daniel chapter 1 verses 1 through 8. It says, in the third year of the reign of Joachim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Excuse me. 
And the Lord gave Joachim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God. When he carried it into the land of Shinar to the house of his God, he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, I don't even know if I'm saying these names right, but let's just go with it. The master of his eunuchs to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the noble. Young men in whom there was no blemish, but good looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had the ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank, and for three years of training for them, so that at the end of that time they might serve the king. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave the names he gave Daniel the name Balthasar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. In verse 8, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies nor with what the wine which he drank therefore he request, requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not that might not defile himself a lot just happened in those verses God's people are now under the hand of Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon because God had given them over because of their wickedness because of their sin and Nebuchadnezzar says, go out there and find me some men, and these are the qualities that I'm looking for so that they could serve me. Some of the qualities were being of no blemish. They were to be perfect. They were to be good looking. They were to be gifted in all wisdom, which is interesting that it says all wisdom. Possessing knowledge, ability to understand quickly, and ability to serve. When I read those qualifications, I wonder, is there anybody such like that that has all of these qualifications? No blemish, understanding, has wisdom of everything. I'm like, wow. But here we do. We find that there is four young Jews that have this, whose names are Daniel, Hananiah, Misha, and uh, um, I forgot his last name, <laughs> and Azariah. Which are also known in the, how we know them probably, if you've ever read the book of, of Daniel, is Daniel, Meshach, uh, Rashach, uh, uh, Meshach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? But look at to the names, their Hebrew names, which we'll get to in a minute. In the king's, the way that the king would, would give them, it says that they would give him of his delicacies. They would give him of his food, of the wine in which he himself drank, meaning it was the best wine. And not only that, they would give him three years of training. And after this, they will be part of the king's kingdom in serving under the king. But as I read this story, something hit me. Something was happening behind the scenes. Something was happening in the spiritual realm that if we're not careful, we, we miss out on the spiritual implications that are happening in this story. And which sometimes, quote unquote, we considered unharmful things. Church, we are living in dangerous times. I don't know about you, but I don't watch the news because every time I turn the news, it depresses me. I don't know about you, but every time I go out in the street, in the mall, wherever I go, it depresses me. 
because we are living in dangerous times. Now, it's not just the fact that we are in a pandemic, but it is a dangerous time because what is being attacked more than our bodies and more than our physical being, it is our faith that is being attacked day in and day out. So we are living in dangerous times. So in order to succeed and overcome in dangerous times, what do you need? You need dangerous faith. But in order for you to have dangerous faith, you need to open your spiritual eyes so that you can see what's happening around you. See, we live in a physical world, but there is a spiritual realm that exists as well. And in this spiritual realm is where the angels and the demons are at work. And the Bible says that the prince of this world, his name is Satan. And he operates there. Nothing happens in the physical without first happening in the spiritual. So I believe that we are living in dangerous times. So why, what is happening in this verse right here? Well, what's happening is that they're changing their names. Daniel's named Belshazzar. Hananiah's named Shadrach. Mishael is called Meshach. And Isaiah is called Abednego. And at the surface, it might not mean much. And when you read it, you probably skip over. How many of you have ever skipped over that? When they have the genealogy and everything, you just, whoop, you just skip it because it's too many names to read. At first, at the first glance, when you're reading the Word of God, you might say, there's no big issue here. I don't have to pay so much attention. But our God is a God of detail. And if He wrote it in His Word, it's because there's something important that we need to capture in Scripture. Stay with me. There's a big piece of the puzzle here that you might miss. Their names had a powerful implication of who they were and what they were to accomplish. But now their names are being changed. I want to share with you what their names meant. Daniel's name meant God is my judge. What a beautiful name. God is my judge. And what did they change his name to? Balthasar, which means Baal's prince. It went from being the one God is my judge to now a false God, I am your prince. Stay with me. Hananiah meant grace, mercy, and gift of the Lord. Beautiful name. Now they change it to Shadrach. Command of Aku. Aku was a pagan God that they served. You see the trend here? Misha, who is like God. That's what his name meant. And what did they change it to? Meshach, which means who is what Aku is. And last, Isaiah meant helped by God. And they changed it to Abednego, which means servant of Nebal, another false god. See, a person's name is the greatest connection to their own identity and their individuality. When they say your name, what do you do? You respond. In addition to appearance, our names are associated with our personality character and the way that we act and our psychological adjustments as far as back as 1948 studies indicate that the names that are given affect how we perform later on in life so why change their name why change their name why couldn't they just stay with daniel hananiah zyra and michelle why did they have to change their name well i tell you why it's the same thing we're seeing today Culture is trying to take over and change our faith. Trying to change in who we believe in. So what the first thing they do, they change their name. 
The second thing is they changed their food, they changed their clothes, and they changed their culture. So what? So that they could forget their God. It's kind of quiet this morning. But how many are with me today? We're living in dangerous times. And like I said, I typically don't watch the news. You could ask my, wa my, my wife. I don't watch the news. Just not because I don't want to be informed. We actually don't have cables. Not because I don't want to be informed. But because instead of listening to the opinions and the voices of others, I must listen to the voice of God and what He says. When I have my mind too clouded by what is out there, I can't focus on what God is leading me. We're living in a time and period that although there is an attack against our lives and against their, our children and their descendants, we are called to be dangerous like Daniel and his friends. We're called to be dangerous. So pastor, what does this have to do with me? I mean, I don't care about the name change. That's them. I mean, what does Daniel, what does Meshach, Abednego, you know, uh, what do they have to do anything with me? Well, in the time of Daniel, they were exiles in a foreign land because God has gi had given them over to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar because of their sin. But there were some righteous still among the land and this is my faith that although we see darkness in this land today there is still righteous people in the land uh, that we are living and how many believe that while there is still righteousness justice will prevail while there is still light light will overcome we're living in dangerous times When they introduced them to a new culture, to a new kingdom, the first thing they tried to strip them of was their identity, their faith to their God. Sound familiar? Today you are mocked, censored, and blocked. Probably they might even block this message from YouTube later on because they just want to. I'm not saying anything wrong. But you are mocked, you are censored and blocked when you stand for the truth. And today, in today's society and climate, if you don't agree with the majority, then you are blacklisted and ousted. You're considered less. But let me tell you something. In Daniel's time, he took a stand. He took a stand. Because in verse 8 it says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. With the king's portion. He took a stand. And what does it mean to defile? He said, I will not spoil, desecrate, or pro profane that which is holy. Let's continue in scripture. Verses 9 to 14 says, Now God had brought Daniel into favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are of your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. So Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over him, Hananiah, uh, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. And let, this, let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then our appearance will be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. 
So he consented with them in this matter and tested them 10 days. Whenever you take a stand for the truth, whenever you take a stand for God's will and God's purpose, God will always give you favor. Doesn't matter the situation. Doesn't matter the circumstance. It doesn't matter the timing. God will always give you favor. You remember Joseph? Joseph was sold as a slave to a foreign land, to Egypt. And even though he was a slave, God gave him favor and they made him the headmaster. Because when you are in God's will and you stand for the truth that God has called you to stand for, he will give you favor even with pagan rulers, even with evil people. Because he is for you, he's not against you. He gave Daniel favor. He gave his friends favor. And what it says in verse 11, he said, put it to the test. We need to become like Daniel. Put it to the test. We need to have that dangerous faith. We need to know who we trust. We don't only need to come to church and sing, hallelujah, praise the Lord. You gave me faith. You put my feet upon solid rock. No, we need to put our faith to the test. We need to stand in dangerous faith with dangerous faith in dangerous times. Because it is in these times that your faith will be proved. There are too many weak Christians in the church today. I say weak, but I will call them bratty Christians as well. You know those Christians that say, well, I don't want to worship today because I just don't feel like it. You know, my emotions. I just don't feel like it. I'm not going to worship the Lord. Really? I wonder Jesus on the Garden of Gethsemane, he would have said, oh, gee, oh, God, I don't feel like giving my life for these sinners. I just don't feel it today. Can we leave it for tomorrow? No, he said, let not my will be done, but your will be done, God. Think about that. What if Jesus would have backed down in that dangerous time? We would not be saved today. There will be no redemption, no forgiveness, no opportunity. There will be no way to heaven if Jesus would have said, oh, it's too dangerous for me. I'm going to back down and let someone else take my place. We are living in those times where these weak Christians, well, I know God will fix all things, Pastor. But just, I just can't see it. I just can't see it. There's nothing wrong with that. The problem is that if you stay not seeing it, if you stay behind, oh, I could never see. I can't see it. You need to have a dangerous faith that says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for the Lord my God is with me. You need to have the faith that says, even though you throw me in the lion's den, my God will close the mouth of the lions. Even though you throw me into the fiery furnace, I will not worry because my God will deliver me. And if he doesn't deliver me, we will still not worship your golden idol. That is dangerous faith. You know what dangerous faith is? When the world doesn't agree with you. Let that sink in. When the world doesn't agree with you. Someone that has cancer, they got a notice from the doctor. And they tell their family, and their family is like, Ay, Dios mío, se acabó, ay, Dios santo. And I'm not laughing at the situation because it is hard. But you know what dangerous faith is? 
Even though the doctor told me that I have a terminal illness, I believe the word of God that by the stripes of Christ I am healed. I will not give in to fear. I will not give in to the voice of the enemy. I have trusted my life to Jesus Christ. And if his word says that I shall live and not die and testify his goodness, I will stand firm in these dangerous times with dangerous faith. What was happening here in Daniel's time? They were trying to take his foundation from under his feet. That's why they changed his name. That's why they wanted to change his clothes. They wanted to change the way he ate. But he said, I'm not going to defile myself. Mm -mm. I don't need your riches. I don't need your delicacies. I don't need the wine that comes from the king. Why? Because that food represented pagan gods that food represented sacrifices to pagan gods and it represented everything in which against Daniel and his friends stood for and church I don't know about you but we are living in times where everything we stand for is being attacked and it is time that the church says no more no more no more not giving in not giving out but pressing in and trusting God God was clear to Israel when he said you are my chosen people chosen meaning you have been set apart he was clear when he said be holy for I am holy See, holiness is not seen today. Holiness is taken for granted today. Oh, uh, you know, God knows I'm a sinner. You know, we got that relationship where I fail and, I, and, and we take grace for granted. I'm not saying that I've never been there. I've never done that. But what happens is that we take grace for granted. And God is calling his children to rise up and be holy, to rise up and be righteous. Because there are times that we are living in today that he is looking for individuals just like Daniel. To take a stand. In Romans chapter 12 verses 1 through 2 it says, I beseech you therefore my brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And I love verse 2, and do not conform to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God what is the apostle Paul saying here present your bodies as living not dead living sacrifices meaning while you're alive you need to present yourself before God what are the requirements be holy meaning set apart pleasing to him which means acceptable to God and as your reasonable service meaning this is what you need to give back for all that God has been good to you another verse in the Bible is first John chapter 2 verse 15 it says do not love the world or the things in the world if anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him for all that is in the world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. What does it mean by saying, do not love the world? I think he's saying, stop loving the world. I asked a, 
a couple months ago, I forgot who I asked. I asked a group of friends or someone. I forgot who it was. I asked, you know, if Jesus comes tomorrow, would you be ready? And many people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And some people are like, oh, I, I, I don't want him to come tomorrow because, you know, I, I want to accomplish this. I want to do that. I want to see my children grow up. I want to I, I get married. I wanna... And it goes back to this. We are so in love with this world. And we forget that this world is passing. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Same thing the enemy used from day one with Adam and Eve. He uses still today and he tried to use with Daniel and his friends. But he stood his ground with dangerous faith and he says, I will not defile myself. The world in this passage means morally evil system opposed to all that God is and holds dear. We are seeing things today that are scary. Can I get an amen? There are things that I never thought that I would see with my own eyes. Now you know your pastor. I am not political. I never preach from this pulpit about a political standpoint, nor will I ever. But whenever the church needs to rise up and be the voice of God here on earth, we are called to be the voice of God here on earth. And let me tell you something. There are some dangerous things that are happening in these dangerous times. And the church is called to have dangerous faith and respond. There's something right now being, in, in, in being trying to be signed into law, this Equality Act. Let me tell you something. There's nothing equal at all about that act. It's evil and directly from hell. Yes, I said it. It's evil and directly from hell. As Christians, we need to stand for the truth and for what is established by the word of God. God established male and female. I have nothing against anyone else, but I stand for what the word of God says. And this, this act is an attack against God and what he has established in his word. And if Christians are like, oh, let someone else do it or I can't do it. I don't have the strength. We are going to see something that later on we're going to regret. And our children and our children's children will be forever affected. Because you stood back, you hold back, and you were scared in dangerous times. I'm telling you, church, to rise up with dangerous faith in this dangerous time. Take your rightful place in the kingdom of God. Because God is calling you to act in dangerous times like today. Daniel made sure that the, his foundation was not moved from under him. So what did he do? He stood his ground with dangerous faith. What was the outcome? I'll show you in verse 15. And at the end of the 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter in the flesh than all the young men who ate the portions of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portion of the delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Talk about dangerous faith. You have delicacies, meat, rice, beans, desserts, and you're asking for vegetables? Today, they put a table in front of us and we go directly for the carbs. We go directly for the starch. 
We go directly for the protein. We don't look at the vegetables. If you ever notice, if you ever do a party, come on, can I get an amen? If you ever do a party and you do a salad, the last thing that is eaten is the salad. Put some chicken on there. Put some, I mean, some, some mashed potatoes, some macaroni and cheese, some corn on the cob, and then put a little salad on the side. What is the thing that stays behind? The salad. Same thing in the kingdom of God. Everyone wants the fatness of the kingdom. But no one wants to sacrifice and stand firm in their faith. It's easier to go with the flow than to stand and say, it ends with me. It ends with me. Their dangerous faith paid off. Listen to this. In verse 18. Now at the end of the days when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them. And among them there was none like Daniel, and they use their real names now, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they served before the king and all, and in all the matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the musicians and, uh, sorry, magicians and astrologers who were in all his realm. Their dangerous faith paid off and it was evident that they were different. Sometimes we're afraid to be different. Let me tell you something. Being different is good. Being different is good. Why? Because you are set apart. God's people should be different. Not, not, uh, 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 not creepy different. That's not what I'm saying. We got to be different. We got to be children of light. We got to be the salt of the earth. The only thing that is going to be canceled, in my opinion, is anything that is against the will of God. I am not here to let anyone cancel my life. I'm not here to let anything of this government or of any other government cancel my faith. I'm not here to let people and their opposing views cancel my faith in Jesus Christ. There is one who died on the cross for me. He didn't let the Romans hold him back. He didn't let the Jews hold him back. He didn't let the Gentiles hold him back. He said, I came to give my life and my life for ransom of many and God is calling you as the church of Jesus Christ not to shrink back but to stand up in the power of the Holy Ghost filled with the presence of God to use your dangerous faith in these dangerous times I'm about to close this message as I read this story of what God is doing with Daniel and his friends I am reminded that they were exiled they were foreigners. They were strangers. They were, many believe, slaves. Hint, God can do anything as long as there is a willing person. As long as there is someone who will stand in the gap and says, Lord, here I am. I don't understand everything. I don't know everything, but I trust in you. God they have told me all these things and I am down and feel down and defeated but I'm putting my trust in you your word says totally the opposite God I'm holding on to you I'm holding on to you we are called we are called as the church of Jesus Christ to take our rightful place in the open squares in the marketplace in government 
and everywhere. Why? Because the hope of this world, believe it or not, is not the next vaccine or the next best best thing. The hope of this world is the church of Jesus Christ. The hope of this world, let me say it one more time, is the church of Jesus Christ. The hope of this world is the church of Jesus Christ. It's already in you. God has already blessed you. God has already anointed you. God has already appointed you. He's telling you now, go into the world. We are called to holiness and to maintain the right foundation even in dangerous times. This is not an excuse. Too many Christians have COVID as an excuse not to live a life for Jesus. Oh, I got to hide. I got to put on my mask. I got to keep my distance. I can't go nowhere. Do wear your mask. Do keep your distance. If you don't want to go nowhere, that's up to you. But don't stop believing. Don't stop praying. Don't stop preaching. Don't stop giving. Don't stop preaching. Don't start doing the things of God. Don't stop. Because that's what the enemy wants. For you to stop. That is an excuse from the devil. I end with this verse in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Just, just close your eyes right there where you're at. Listen to that word one more time. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. The first thing the enemy attacks is your mind. Because he knows that if he has a stronghold over you, he has your heart. But the Bible says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. In verse 24, now it tells us what to do. And that you put on the new man, which was created according to God. In what? In true righteousness and holiness. We need to take off the old man, our former ways, our, our past. We just need to strip ourselves from it. And we need to put on the new man, which is clothed in Christ Jesus through humility, through holiness, through righteousness in Christ Jesus. To live dangerously is not to live according to the patterns of this world. To live dangerously, you don't need to act violently. Actually, you don't, it's the total opposite. You don't act violently to live dangerously. Daniel and his friends never rebelled or acted in violence. They just took their stand with dangerous faith. With dangerous faith. I believe that God wants and is raising up Daniel-like people today. That even though in the midst of all that they are living in and the challenges that they are facing, they're going to stand and challenge the system and say, I will not bow down to you. I will stand to my God. And the only one that I will bow down to is the Lord Jesus Christ in honor of his name. The only one that I will give a knee to is not my things that I stand for or my culture or my government or my, 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 my state or whatever it may be. The only one I take a knee to is the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He is the only one I will bow down to because the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Lord Jesus as Christ he is the Lord will you be that person would you be that person that says no to the standards of this world would you be the person that says no to the things that hold you back from living a God-fulfilled life. Church, 
It's in your hands. It's not in your pastor's hands. He needs to do it for himself. It's not in your mom's hands. She needs to do it for herself. It's in your hands. And if you have children, it's in your hands too. Because they will look to you. They will look to you in dangerous times. And they will say, what is mama doing? What is dad doing? And if they see you hiding in fear, they will hide in fear. But if they see you bold, they see you firm, steadfast in your faith, then they will resemble the same thing. I want my children to be like that. I want my children's children not to live oppressed, not to live confused. I want them to live in godliness. I want them to live in righteousness. I want the land to continue flowing with honey and milk. I don't want the things of this world holding back what God has promised in his word. So God is saying, will you not defile yourself with the delicacies of the king? Would you take a stand? At the end, when they took a stand, their appearance was better. When you take a stand for God, people start seeing there's something different about you. There's a glow. They use the word glow. I, I, or they've used, they told me there's an aura about you. I always tell them there is no aura. There is no glow. It's Jesus Christ. There's something about you. Why is it that when the enemy throws everything against you, you still have strength to praise? You have strength to worship. You have strength to praise the Lord Jesus. Because my faith is not based on my emotions. My faith is not based on what man can do for me. My faith is rooted in what Christ accomplished on that cross 2,000 years ago. Where not even death nor sin could hold him down. Church, would you stand to your feet with me today? I know this might not be a word of a bunch of amens and, and screaming and shouting. I actually believe it should be because we should be excited about what the times that we're living in because it's the time of the church, the time of the local church, the time of the people of God. It's time for the manifestation of the children of God. We're living in dangerous times. We are. If you don't believe me, just turn on the TV. Go on your social media. There's so much hate, envy, self-love, pride. It's just nasty. Friends backstabbing friends families turning against each other and you may say pastor Eric why scripture says that that will happen but it also says that love covers a multitude of sin it also says that if Jesus is living in you the true light of the world if it's living in you you could impact and be of change to everyone because that's what we are we're agents of change we're not agents of conformity we're agents of change we have been placed on this earth to make a difference first in our family secondly 
in our workplace, in our community, and to the ends of the world. I always look at uh, the stories like Daniel, and I'm like, God, yeah, Daniel was smart. He had gifts. He was he interpreted dreams, and you know he did amazing things. And and I'm not even near those things. But I forget one thing: the gifts, the interpretations, the power. It wasn't Daniel's. It was God's. Daniel was a normal human being. The only difference is that Daniel was willing to take a stand. Would you take a stand today? Would you say no to the enemy? Would you say you will not touch my family anymore? You will not touch my relationships. You will not touch my health. You will not touch my children. You will not touch my nation. You will not touch my job. You will not touch anything anymore. If you feel like there's been curses upon you, you need to stake a stand and say, the curse ends today. For therefore now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. The curse ends today. Your parents may have been cursed. Your grandparents may have been cursed. But the curse ends today. The cycles end today. Would you be willing to use dangerous faith in these dangerous times? I want to pray for you. I don't want to pray for you that are watching online. The only way to the Father, to God the Father, is through Jesus Christ. Let me say that one more time. The only way to God the Father is through Jesus Christ. It's not through your doing. It's not through how many good things you deeds you've done or how many bad things you've done. It's through your faith in Jesus Christ. Why? So that no one could take the glory and say, well, I, I made myself this great. I, I got to Father. This great. No, because the Bible says this. All have fallen short of the glory of God. Me, you, everyone from day one have fallen short of the glory of God. But the Bible also says, thank Jesus Christ. I love that name, Jesus Christ. Thank Jesus Christ that he has declared us not guilty. Thank Jesus Christ that he has declared us not guilty. When the gavel was in the hand and the judgment was going to be released, he said, hold up. I gave myself, I gave my life for them. I stood in the gap for them. I used my dangerous faith in dangerous times. I didn't let the enemy take them. I will never let the enemy take them. I stand in the gap with my dangerous faith in dangerous times. And I say, hold up. <laughs> my blood is powerful enough to forgive them. My grace is sufficient to lift them out of whatever pit of hell that they may find themselves in. If that's you today and you want to give your life to Jesus, I want to pray with you. If you're here or online, I always like to end the service with giving an opportunity to know Jesus because that is the greatest miracle and the most important thing you will ever decide in your life is to give your life to Jesus.
And probably you've been talked about Jesus in the past and, and, and you thought that you need to have it all together. That is totally the opposite. You don't have to have anything together. All you have to do is surrender and trust him. It's a day-to-day journey. It's not a destination. If that's you, don't hesitate anymore. It's as simple as recognizing him through prayer. Would you say this prayer with me? Would you say it with your own words or repeat these words? Say, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. I recognize that I am a sinner in need of you, the Savior. I open my heart to you and I ask you to forgive me. Help me in this day forth walk with you and trust you with my life. As I surrender my heart to you and I make you the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for the gift of salvation found only in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to do one more prayer. God, today as we come to a close of this service, I pray that the fire of the Holy Spirit would be reignited in our hearts. There are many people, Lord, that one day they were on fire for you and today they feel blah inside and I pray ignite the fire ignite the fire within them Lord revive the fire within their spirit revive the fire within their hearts that they may know you and serve you faithfully and wholeheartedly God I pray Lord Jesus that we will be able to stand firm with dangerous faith in these dangerous times. And as you delivered Daniel, as you gave him favor, as you put him, Lord, among all, top of everyone else, I believe that you would do the same with your church. Thank you, Lord, for this word, that this word produced the fruit for which it's sent. In Jesus' name, amen. At Ignite, we counted a blessing to engage each week with supporters just like you. If you were blessed by today's word, subscribe to our podcast and share it with someone you know. We believe in spreading the message of Jesus like a wildfire. Thank you for your support and be sure to check us out on any of our social media platforms at Church Ignite. Until next time, be blessed and remember the best is yet to come.